Welcome. This is a Talking Tough podcast, brought to you by Dr. Martens and hosted by journalist Bohanna, creative entrepreneur Shamiro van der Geld, and myself, Jill Maton, writer and journalist from Amsterdam. The past year, we had to be tougher than ever, so we are back again to share stories of resilience with our guests, covering topics such as the presence of ego and spirituality, using art to express a message to the mass, and mental health amongst creatives. Sit tight and enjoy. Today's guest is Chris Muncha, a graphic designer, photographer, and award-winning filmmaker. Born in the Democratic Republic of Congo and raised in Brussels, he's now living in Vancouver, filling his mind with the new memories and sharing this with the world. He heals himself and his community. Welcome, Chris. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine, thank you. The name of the podcast series we're doing is Talking Tough. Our first question is, what is tough about you? I don't know. It's funny because I also, the way I see my arts is also pretty direct. I always talk directly to, straight to the problems. With my friends, I generally don't do small talks, don't talk about the weather. I just like shoot for the truth. That's, that's funny that you're doing this because I'm, I'm doing the same. I've read some of your interviews and we were talking about an Eraser, which is one of my favorite songs from Tom York as well. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotlight Mind, he also referred to. But about the Eraser, I was always curious about how it would feel to erase someone from your memory. This is something you say. What would be the danger of erasing yourself? Or how does it feel to erase yourself? Trying to, to erase something from your memory, it's always a bad idea. It, it, can, it can be something really attractive when you're suffering from a trauma. But in general, when you try to forget something, you have to process it. If you don't process it, and that's the subject of my series, it's like when you try to go for the easiest solution, the outcome is always predictable. Mm -hmm. For me, myself, as a black man, also the topic you take on here are also very much conversations that I have. How did your guilt towards black woman came to light for yourself? When was the moment that you started reflecting and felt that you were missing something in yourself? Thanks to my youngest sister, Julie, because she's been an activist for quite a while now. She brought me into that journey. And, you know, I think a lot of people in the activist communities in general, when they first start to go there, I can only talk for myself, but I feel like I had um, an immunity pass. I was going there, like a lot of bad shit has happened in the world, but I'm not the problem. The problem is like other people because I'm fine and I'm black. How harmful can I be for the world? Then I feel like the more you learn about racism, patriarchy, and homophobia and transphobia, and the more you realize how much privilege you have and how those privileges are, are affecting your path and the path of the people around you. That was the first step, getting to activism. The second step was to be honest. What I felt when I started the project, I felt like in the narrative of black men, of black artists around me, there was something missing, the total honesty. Privilege is a word that is used a lot towards cis white men or white, white people in general. 
What are the privileges that you have as a black man? I have privileges as a man. I'm not discriminated because of my gender. I can you know, like walk at night. When I talk, people listen to me. Even as a black man, I had privileges because I grew up in Belgium. I realized really, really recently that I was always sure I could be an artist. I always thought it was something that I could do because I'm, I'm, I have some skills and we can do it. Just the fact that to be educated in a world that tells you like art is a possibility, it's a privilege because a lot of people don't see that as a possibility for their career. We have privileges sometimes, but most of the time we take the time to recognize them. You didn't went straight to getting an art, right? You first studied law and then communications, and then you became a graphic designer and then photographer, right? Yeah. It took a bit of a uh, detour in there, yeah. Yeah, it took a long time to admit that the thing that I was the best at was art. You were just talking about to erase certain things from your memory, how that cannot be good. Do you also think this was the path that was needed for you to become who you are now as an artist? Yeah, I think so. I think so. It took a long time to get there because I went to depression for like a few years. I wasn't going the right way and I was discouraged by art early in my life. And so I did all this stuff to mask the fact that I that's what I needed. And I didn't come with that observation. My friends did. You cannot do it anymore. You're like depressed. You're an artist. So get the fuck out of here and just like do your art. So yeah. Here you are. <laughs> here I am. Yeah. We had talks with Charlotte Adigeri, a Belgian-based beautiful music artist. And she was telling us about the black community in Belgium saying that it's very small and non-existent. I understand that you don't live there right now and that you have been out of Belgium for a while. But do you think it's important to have a black community around you? Is this something for you as a person and as an artist that helps you develop or helps you understand yourself more? Yeah, it's really important. I moved from Belgium four years ago, I'd say, three years ago. I don't know. And I'm in Vancouver, in the West Coast of Canada. There is not a lot of black people. There is a black community here. It's really, really, really small. But when I met people, I felt like I was in the community. It was so weird. I feel like the first black community I found was here. Because um, the difference with Belgium, like, there is a lot of black people, but there's no black community. Because the history of immigration is different. Here, black people have been around for hundreds of years. And because the difficult journey they had from Africa and from the Caribbean to here, they've been mixed and forgetting about their roots and so when people here are black they're in the black community no matter what so when i get here i was in the black community whereas in belgium i feel like people come straight from africa in general and so you have the congolese community you have the senegalese community you have the people from rwanda and they all i speak from my observation as a teenager they don't connect with each other So if something bad happened, they're just going to go to their communities. Those communities, I don't think they connected. And so I feel like they don't feel like a black community in, in, uh, in Belgium. It's still very much of survival for them, no? Yes. I'm not saying that they do it on purpose. I'm just saying what I observe. And the fact that I moved here and I really felt like I was part of something, it's something that I never felt anywhere. You say that now Now you feel like you're part of the community. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because it's the community here that is making me connected to my community in Belgium now. You know? Oh, why? Because I feel like the guilt and the self-hate that some black people have for themselves and that I had for me, 
is kind of like disappearing. And now I feel ready to love my black folks anywhere in the world, you know? And so I feel more connected to the black community anywhere in the world right now. I feel like you're really honest about your struggle. Is that something that is easy for you to talk about this? Or was this like a long time also taboo or... When I started last year, it was really difficult because I, I don't know, I, it's like when you tell a lie for a long time and then you finally tell the truth, it feels liberating. It's difficult at first, but once you said it, it becomes easier. And I've been saying it for a year, so it's easier for me right now. But if we had this interview last year, it would have been like way more difficult for me. And how does it feel when you put everything on the table and being so brutally honest? What does it do with your mind and with your body? Can you describe how that goes? I feel lighter and I feel like I can focus on what is important. Like when you lie to yourself, when you have some stress and you have some unresolved issues, there is like something like heavy on you. There is something unclear and it's difficult for you to focus on other things. I'm not saying that I resolved everything, but I'm saying that the past for me is like clearer. The relationship I have with myself and I had with all the black men and I had with my identity, my sexuality or my community, they are, I would say, safer, more honest than they were before. Yeah, it feels like when you're looking for this confrontation, you learn a lot about yourself, but you also teach a lot of other people. Is there like one big message that is super important for you to share with white people? What do you want to tell them? With white people? Because you're also mentioning uh, in one of your interviews that you had this deal towards black women. You said, I had never dated a black woman. And I felt that if I hadn't, I wasn't accepted by my community. And I was wondering how did that guilt in you, how did that came to light? So it happened last year when I was struggling. It was the beginning of COVID. I didn't have a job because I got fired a month before the COVID. So I cannot put that on the COVID. I was just like bad at my job. Uh, I was a graphic designer in a tech company. I got fired and then the next week I lost my photo studio and then I went to like a small like depression maybe like two months and I had to resolve some things with my dad because I had like issues to resolve my the relationship with my dad and so I kind of like introspect for for two months and I went to therapy and I unpacked all these things from my past because I forgot about them and when I resolved the thing with my dad I had all these memories that were there I unburied them so I was like oh what am I doing with those I'm not going to like put them on the ground again and so you know what let's use that the way I was honest with myself, with my dad, I was like, okay, let's be honest with all this stuff and try to make art with it because I didn't have anyone to tell because it was really difficult to say. And you know what? I'm going to make art about it and I'm going to pretend those memories belong to another person. A person that's really close, a person that looks like me, a person that maybe has the same name, but is going to be someone else. And so that's why I built the project with the third person, because it was easier for me to introduce this honesty to the people. That's how I started the project. Yeah, and then coming back to dating black women, I was also wondering, how did black women respond to your message? It's funny because every black people that I know had a good response to the project. At first, it was difficult because I, I would say that I really wanted my, my sisters to, to like the project. So they were the first opinions that I would like have. So there was a segment that I deleted now in my project that showed black women the angle. It would show that I was objectifying them. And so... It was not the intention, so I kind of like moved my uh, direction about it, but it was only visual. But the depth of the project was really well received, actually, from Black women especially. 
I feel like black women like the honesty and black men could identify. Mm. There were like two different reasons to like the project. And do you feel like you've opened up this conversation about dating or I'm wondering what happens often? Are there still a lot of conversations going on? And what do you see in that? It's a difficult path. I grew up in Belgium and I had this self-hate for so long. The beauty standards that I've been living with are white people. To deconstruct that takes time, takes a long time. Even right now, I would like see something and I would have a thought and I'm like, oh, I'm not there yet. Yeah. I still have a long journey to do. But did you also open up like other people's eyes around you? Like maybe more men around you that also had the same feelings and that you opened their eyes? Actually, I received a lot of messages. It was really wild at first. I would say the first five months sharing my projects, I would say I received like every day at least five or ten messages from random people saying like, I love your project and I actually could identify so much. That's my life. That's exactly my life. I felt really guilty about it for so long. And knowing that a lot of people going through the same thing, I felt better about it. I still have guilt, but I feel, I feel better. I'm also wondering that I hope you've dated now uh, black women. Do you feel that you can be more open or dig deeper or that it's easier to get because you say you don't like small talk? Is it easier to go to the point of who you are or to go deeper if you are dating black women? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not a dater in general, so I'm always single anyway. There was like two things that they were like going to the points and being honest and dating black women is two different things. And I don't think dating black women is going to make me more straight to the point. Is that like, because your work is really about healing, you had this indie project as well, and you said that as a black artist, when you get the stage, you have to talk about issues that are affecting you. If you could make everything you wanted to do, you make this indie project already. Is there a specific theme you like to focus on or kind of post-racist dream you have for your work? Because your art is a lot about the struggle that you have and things that you've been through and the conversation that we have right now. But are there also other topics that you want to work on in the future? Or um, That's a good question, actually. The reason why I can call myself an activist is not because of the topic that I approach. It's more about the fact that it's the only topic I can talk about for the rest of my life. I started to talk about race, but talking about race is easy when you're a black person because you talk about yourself. But knowing how a lot of issues are interconnected and start including other fights, including gender, including transphobia, dysphobia, for example, that's when it gets interesting. And talking about yourself is easy. You know yourself. It's easy to share your feelings and it's vulnerable. From time to time, I will like talk about myself. But activism is something that you really want to succeed or if you want systemic racism or patriarchy to be dismantled you cannot just do one project and just start talking about apples or love you have to do the work you have to do the work i feel like i'm <laughs> be off from the end of this so i guess like there is no way for me to talk about something else today it's exactly one year ago since it was blackout tuesday it was the day that 28 million people posted a black square on their Instagram profile. Do you feel that your work was being picked up extra because of Black Lives Matters? And do you feel comfortable with that? Or what do you think of this? And 
you're talking a lot about your our slash your blackness and your understanding of who you are and loving yourself and your brothers and sisters. Do you feel your work is being hyped by people? Do you feel that people are genuinely interested in your work? Do you feel that in interviews you can sometimes feel that it's just performative? Or do you feel a lot of respect and a lot of love from the people who are interested in your work? I don't know. I don't know. It's like it's a bit of everything. And I had this question before. I don't think my work is being hyped by the Black Lives Matter movement or the death of George Floyd. Everything comes at the right moment, you know? The reason why I was doing this particular work at this particular time was because of years and years of Black people being discriminated, harassed, and killed by the police on camera. And this narrative, it was happening so much, it was shared way more than before because of cameras and phone. The way it was like shared was exponential. And I feel like it created you know, like, like a trauma for a lot of people. And that trauma created something, guided some artists to do some work, you know? So a lot of people like, like, oh yeah, you, you think that your work has been like hyped or pushed by the joy for the Black Lives Matter. I'm like, no, my work has been created because black people are killed. That's the reason why my, my work has been created. That's the reason why BLM has been created, you know? Um, so it's not about BLM, it's more about black people being discriminated and killed. But at the same time, so that's, that's for me. But as you mentioned, like some people, some journals, some magazines, some brands approach me way more because of that, because of Black Lives Matter. So my motivation doesn't come from Black Lives Matter, but the motivation of other people might come from that. Maybe even this podcast, it also comes from that. I would like to think about it. There is like the motivation of like the first people, like the first, like the people actually in it. So I would say like black people. And there was the motivation of, I would say external people, you know, like um, not external because it's, it's a global problem, but I feel like there was like people directly affected by it and you know, the people indirectly affected by it. And those people can be performative. Those people can be like interested or genuinely interested or not. You know, so that's something I, I don't know. Understand. I think it's also very much about the spaces you are in yourself. I think like if you are in Canada or in Belgium and you are in predominantly white spaces, I think it can be also extra important to make sure that the story that you bring as a black artist, which is also towards, um, maybe not necessarily towards black people, but about your black struggle. This is a story you also want to be heard by people of, of color. So I guess it's important to also somehow make sure that message is delivered, not only explained by you as a black person, but also really received by black people. Um, is it sometimes difficult to find the, to, to find the right platforms for the right people to, to, to bring this story to or to bring your art to? So the, the platform I use the most is Instagram. Mm -hmm. So it's like where I can be seen the most because I'm lucky and I have the privilege to working with an art form that can be shared really well, you know, like conceptual photography is like made for Instagram, you know, because I'm creating something new. It's like, I have a digital file that I share directly on Instagram. If you like do sculpture or if you do dance, you have to share a video or a photo of your art. And if the video, the photo is shitty, your art looks, looks shitty, you know? But for me, I can directly upload my file and it's like as it is on Instagram. 
So that's the reason I use that. And I feel like that's how I can be seen the most and I can like touch my audience the most. But also like what I realized, because I'm lucky that my work has been seen a lot and now is in galleries, art galleries. I remember when I, I did my first solo show in Vancouver in January, I never thought about like who would like benefit from my art, who would see my art. And then there was like this couple and they were like looking at my stuff and like an old white couple. And they started to like make some like weird conversation about like some black person they knew like in the past because I was black. <laughs> that, was, that was, I don't know, awkward and, and weird. And then they mentioned something about like buying my art. And I was like, fuck, maybe like my art is going to end up in those spaces, you know? Yeah, with a very sad story about, oh, yeah, we met this artist, Chris Muncia, and da-da-da-da-da. And then yeah. they make your story. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know, I was confused because at the same time, I was like, okay, if anyone, I, I feel like white people should pay for my shit. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, but I also want my community to benefit from, to actually enjoy my arts, you know? Yeah. Chris, I think we've talked a lot. We could talk for more hours, but we came to the end of the podcast. I want to thank you so much for being so open-hearted, talking with us about your uh, deepest feelings as well. I, th I know that that's not always easy for everybody, so I think uh, you might inspire people to uh, open up. And uh, thank you for this conversation. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. Thank you so much, Chris. I'm uh, very inspired about your, about your work. This is something I'm also trying to talk with people in my community about... Um, what we can do, what are our privileges as black men, how can we empower our black sisters, um, trans uh, people as well. And um, I'm very um, interested to see what you, what you will do in the future and uh, I will keep following you. So thank you very much. Cool. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and thank you for all the mirrors you, uh, you showed us or showed everyone. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much.